Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. And Father, last weekend the Mass was the reading of Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead. And obviously very pivotal moment, um, bringing someone else back from the dead who had been dead for four days is incredibly massive. And that was the reading, and it was kind of sparking different thoughts in my head. And when it came time to doing the great mystery of faith, it kind of dawned on me that I might be struggling or at least somewhere having a not pure foundation on something I think is a prerequisite to the mystery of faith, and that's the mystery of life. You know, we, we've said so many times in our episodes that it's a religion of life. It's about building stronger relationships. And everything in here is implicitly around life. And I figure this is probably a good time, you know, given the fact that this episode is going to be releasing right around Easter, to talk about the mystery of life and why it's so critical to our faith and inherently everything. Yeah, it's a great theme. It's and and something that's uh, so so easy to take for granted because we've only known being alive. <laughs> uh, that's that describes all of our experience. A hundred percent of our experience is being alive, and so we don't have an experience of coming into existence or being out of existence. The closest we get, of course, is other people not being alive, uh, being dead, uh, losing and. And, and then when we lose someone that we love and we experience the absence, and then it uh, sparks that question in a way. And, you know, it opens up a lot of philosophical questions, opens up a lot of really important questions when we stop and focus on the gift of life, what it means to be alive, because it can stir in one direction, which is, well, what, what difference does it make? Maybe it's just a random occurrence that I'm alive. Does my life have any purpose? Was there an intentionality? Was I created and intended by someone? Uh, or did I just come into existence randomly because uh, like we experience whatever animals doing um, that's helped if we were uh, conceived in a marriage where there was love and intentionality. I remember I was really struck, uh, as you know, Joe, my uh, own journey of faith began when I was about 18, 19, and then I was baptized when I was 21. And then I got involved in the Catholic community more full, fully at Penn State. And I remember one of the other students telling a story about her parents who practiced NFP and because of that, they knew that her mother was, uh, was fertile, and so they would likely conceive. And her parents prayed for her before they conceived her. And I remember being so struck by that, like, wow, that's really intentional. It's so easy to get the impression that it's just sort of like random copulation generating life or something like that, um, but to be so intentional about it. So uh, for those who are blessed to be conceived in such a marriage, um, that's, a, that's a great gift that draws close to the reality, which is even if uh, your parents weren't so intentional, weren't so knowledgeable, or maybe there was, you know, and certainly we know that there were other people also conceived through 
an act of violence or a rape or some other things that are just horrible circumstances, painful circumstances. And uh, at the same time, no matter what the actual circumstances of the human act was that brought about one's conception, the reality is that God intended your life. God created you intentionally. He knew you before he, you were created. He knew you and he brought you into existence. And, and so that's what we talk about when we, we say we speak of the gift of life. It really is a gift that God is intentionally giving. He wanted you. Every life, every human being is a wanted life. And, you know, we have that kind of rhetoric around some of the um, activism in the pro-life, pro-choice, only wanted lives are really worthwhile. If a life isn't wanted, then wouldn't it be better to abort it and this kind of thing? Well, the fact is that every life is a wanted life. Every human being was intended by God. Every human being was, was, was created intentionally. And and then we can start to see the instrumentality uh, that that the parents who conceived the child were, you know, more or less doing that in the way that communicates God's intention. And that uh, student I mentioned at Penn State, her parents did a beautiful job of that. And may all parents strive to be as intentional and make every act of love, married love, truly an act of love, so that if a child is conceived, whether they know it because they're practicing NFP or not, that every child is conceived with that intentional act of love. That's what God intended. That's what God designed us for. But again, one way or the other, your life, my life, uh, all of our listeners, every single one was intended personally by God and, and he chose us. So I think it's that, that meditation is first of all, one that's very beautiful. And then to recognize well, I have a purpose. My life has a meaning. I know that was a, an early critical moment. The very first time I met with this uh, total stranger to study the Bible with him one-on-one, and we started with the book of Genesis, he asked me, uh, you know, after reading Genesis chapter one and God created man with a purpose, he said, did you ever think what your purpose might be? What, what r- unique uh, role you have in God's creation? And that was a really good question. I sort of had this random perspective of, uh, was my life intended? Why am I here? Actually, I just didn't really think about it at all. So his question stirred that uh, initial, some of those initial reflections from me. So to, to recognize all of those dimensions of life being a gift is a great starting point for each one of us and to see our own life that way. And then we can start to see other people's lives that way as well. And and that that's a gift that's meant to be fostered and preserved and, and loved. And, and God trusts us to communicate his love to one another. I, I've been speaking to audiences recently and saying uh, repeatedly, you know, I, I think it was a bad idea. I really don't think God thought through that entirely. You know, really, he wanted to trust us to communicate his love to one another. I think he should develop another plan. That seems just fraught with problems to me. But, you know, God knows better than I do. And so I surrender to his plan, which is that he wanted some portion of his love to be communicated through me, some portion to be communicated through you, Joe, and each of our listeners. And he placed people in our lives that we would be able to show his love to, and we would be able to receive his love from. Now, he also gives us that individually and 
immediately, not mediated through someone else in different ways through prayer. And uh, the sacraments are a, a, a mixture of things. They come to us, of course, through the church, and but uh, but we can experience encounters with God's love that way. But that's what he wants us to, to do, our, have a life that's filled with love, that communicates love to one another. And knowing, loving, and serving him in this life, we he wants us to be ultimately with him eternally. So this life is a, a kind of formation ground, a testing ground for that eternal life, which is categorically different in a way, because it's not just an endless succession of days on the calendar. It's not just more time in these uh, broken and, and falling apart uh, bodies, but it will be a, a glorified body and then living a, a life of perfect love. And so... Uh, Anyway, yes, uh, this this life for each one of us is a gift, and it's worth reflecting on that gift and uh, something that we didn't earn for ourselves and ultimately something that we don't uh, sustain in being on our own. We need God constantly throughout this life. Yeah, and as we go through that thought process there, it kind of implies a purpose as well, is that not only are we here to call to live our lives and make ourselves as holy as possible to, to become down the road of saints. But part of that is, as you said, to tell other people and build them up and not necessarily tell people like in a way that, Oh, you're doing this wrong. Now I have to hit you with a roller, but to do it in a way that says, we're going to build you up and have you feel really the, the joy that comes with this. Cause you know, one of my goals with starting Father and Joe was always to try to explain to people the benefits of doing this, the benefits of trying to live a Christian-Catholic life, because the detriments or the societal things that are against this get advertised a lot. You know, you're not allowed to do this, that, or the other. You know, you, you have to give up an hour of your life. You know, you have to do this, all these different things that get advertised. And yes, there is a cost to this. But the benefit that comes out of the other side is so much more than you ever put into it. It literally is the best investment you could ever do in terms of everything. So I, I bring that up because it's implicit within all of us then to build each other up. And that process of building someone else up inherently will fix yourself in a way that you would not be able to do by yourself, that you might not even notice at the time, but it's going to plant a seed that will give so many fruits moving forward that really won't, won't be noticed. And, you know, an example you can think of is that, like, if you initially jump into water that's colder than normal, say you're at the beach and you go in the ocean or whatever, at the beginning, you'll feel really, you know, cold and off. But after a while, you kind of become one with the water. And you become more comfortable there and you become better at being out there longer. You know, the first day, you might only be able to be in the water for an hour or so. By the end of your trip, you're, you can be out there all day and, and you're absolutely loving it. And swimming in, in this category of helping people becoming better at it, it's the same way. It might feel a little awkward at first, but getting better at it, you're able to stay in it longer. And then staying in it longer and staying it longer, then you realize this is just where I want to be. And I bring that up because I think that that 
is in line with everything you just said. That that's part of our calling. And yes, it's an intentional decision to help someone else. And not to to derail the whole point I just made there, but to your your, your point about wanted life or not, they never asked the baby, um, do you want to be alive or not? Um, and, and I think that that's something that we always look at it from outside perspectives, but never from the actual person who's who's alive. And, and I think that that's just something to, to think about um, for those who are, you know, maybe pushing back on, on, on some of these these thoughts here. But I wanted to, to relay that to you, Father, because that's what, what had come to me. And I have found that our best episodes are things that pop into me. When I share them, they go really good in the future. So that was my feeling. Like this is mm -hmm. intentional purpose is part of why to join and become an active participant in being a Catholic. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you make a, a good point about you know asking the asking the baby, and uh, it's it's part of a larger point that you know we're never the master over someone else's life and death. So we're, we're not really even the master over our own life and death. So even if the baby said, no, I don't want to be alive, we, we don't actually have the right to take ourselves out of this world. Our life belongs to God. And so it was given as a gift by him. And uh, ultimately at the end, uh, it's not that he takes it away because he actually takes us into a place of eternity. He brings it to the next level, we might say, and uh, whatever we're ready to enter into at that point, uh, the fullness of life and love or a time of, of ongoing purification or absolute separation and, and damnation, uh, whatever we're, we're ready for. And God has an intention around that. He wants us to be with him forever. So he's stacking the deck as much as we allow him to in order to draw us into that place of eternal communion of love. But uh, we don't have the right uh, life doesn't belong to us, even our own life, and certainly the lives of others don't belong to us. And so we are required to be stewards of those lives, which are which ultimately belong to God. And then, as I said, he desires to do many things through us, for us, uh, with us. He wants us to communicate his love to others, to provide for others. Uh, he knew what he was doing when he entrusted your son to you and Teresa, your wife, and uh, he knew both of you, and he knew your ability to communicate his love, and also the the weaknesses, the the shortcomings, the ways that you might fall short of of that. But he provides other people in Joey's life to make up for some things that you lack, and he provides the saints for that as well. And so he really has a vested interest in showing his love to every human being. But um, taking. Uh, taking life is not ours to to do, and then also limitations around the creation of life. Uh, we don't have the right to just create life in any way we want to. We need to follow God's design of creating life in the context of marriage and through a marital act of love. And anything that separates the creation, procreation of life from that is deviating from God's plan and so is uh, variously sinful. Obviously, rape is a terrible violation of that, and uh, and likewise adultery uh, or or extramarital affairs, uh, and then also various technological implements that uh, you know a petri dish is just not a place where there's an act of love happening. It's a technical procedure, 
Uh, in vitro fertilization has a lot of other problems as well, including the number of other lives that are destroyed in order for one life to actually come to birth. On average, about nine lives are destroyed for one life to come to birth. And that's a, a horrific reality. I say that with some gentleness, knowing that some have entered into that not being properly appraised of what they were doing or what was happening, and maybe are hearing that for the first time, even on our podcast. And the answer to that is not a lot of condemnation for ourselves and others, but to do everything we can to prevent that from ever happening again, to do all we can to prevent in vitro fertilization as a, a, a horrific act of destroying life in order to bring one to birth. Uh, and, and other forms of procreation that are outside of the marital act become problematic, just as the interference of the marital act, which is such a beautiful, holy reality, and, and interfering with that through uh, resisting, contracepting, preventing conception uh, is, uh, is obviously a problem that's, that's trying to overly control life, to take life into our own hands. Uh, we need to always have a posture of receptivity around God's gift of life. Even the, the student I mentioned whose parents were able to acknowledge that they were likely conceived, that there was a significant chance of that because of uh, natural family planning, they could track the mother's fertility. At the same time, they didn't have control over that. They couldn't guarantee that that would be the case. They still received as a gift and they prayed for as a gift that life that they did in fact receive on that, that occasion. So um, all, that whole posture of gratitude, receptivity, stewardship, that we really reverence the gift of life is, is so important for us to, to keep in mind, to keep in our, our hearts, uh, never to take away that life. But having said all of that, I have to acknowledge also that, uh, I mean, I'm speaking and, and you also are speaking in the most glowing terms about all of this. And thanks be to God, you and I have quite good lives. We, we live, we are able to do things that are deeply satisfying with people that we love greatly. And we have our own trials and difficulties, but so minor compared to things that people go through on a daily basis. And there are lives that are extremely hard and raise the question, might even be worth uh, taking another episode to explore it, but, but raise the question of, you know, are there lives that aren't worth living? That's a valid question. I mean, I understand where it comes from. Are there lives that aren't worth living, that, that just seem so overwhelmed and suffering, that seem so unproductive, that seem so uh, valueless, and uh, that, the, that sustaining those lives uh, is, is just causing everybody pain and, and strife? And those, those uh, arguments are made uh, on a regular basis, even by medical professionals and people who, uh, who would otherwise be you know, very good people and trying to do the right thing. And, and those are really challenging questions. So the, the answer is, and, and the exploration of that answer may be uh, worth taking more time for, but, but the answer is that every life is still worth living. And we need to do everything we can to alleviate as much of the suffering as we can there are many sufferings that are diminished just because someone's there. One of the worst sufferings is, is loneliness, is isolation, is going through it by ourselves. Just to have someone there with us, whether it's severe physical pain or severe emotional pain, just being able to share it with someone makes a huge difference. Now, it's hard to share that kind of pain, to feel so helpless, 
to enter into such powerlessness, to stay with somebody who is just going through something that seems like a night with no dawn, that could be extremely hard. I'm, and I, I don't uh, uh, want to imply in any way that that's easy, but it's necessary. And, and that may be part of, you know, certainly for someone like you and me, for example, Joe, that who have good lives and, and have a lot of confidence and positivity and a lot of positive reinforcement, that it can be a real blessing for us to pour that out and share that with somebody who, who hasn't had that kind of experience and who doesn't feel that kind of value and who drowns in, in shame and, and pain and a lot of things that, that can be very isolating. Um, also with various physical provisions and uh, medicine can do a great deal. But, but ultimately, we know the value of those lives because Christ took that on himself. He enters into all of the pain. He goes to the deepest depths. He goes to be with the homeless, with the, the, those suffering from bone cancer, from those who have suffered tremendously from loss of loved ones to those who are imprisoned, uh, tortured, isolated. Uh, Jesus is there. Jesus is with them. And Jesus gives the ultimate dignity to them, makes all of it, transforms all of it into an offering of love. But um, that's just a, a brief characterization of uh, how even those lives are, are worth living and uh, so we need to do what we can to make them bearable, more bearable as much as possible, but, but also to really know and value and not facilitate any approach that would try to uh, prematurely eliminate, end that life and, and take that into our hands. And what a beautiful thought to conclude today's episode with. So as we're sitting here around Holy Week to think about that, of, of how every single life matters and how... We all are meant to be gifts for each other in various ways. And, and one of which is to just being there with people and helping to extend a relationship. Because that's ultimately how you're going to heal this, is going to be with a relationship with someone else. So again, Father, I thank you for being with us here today. And please have everyone follow us here on Twitter and click out the retweets for our new episodes. We really appreciate when you guys do that. And it's really helping us grow as well. So thank you all very much. We'll be with you again next week.